I'm very excited to talk about Shrek. After this podcast, I'm making waffles. Uh, Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Raiders Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and the musical stylings of Smash Mouth. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. Today we're talking about the animation classic, emphasis on classic for Chris's sake, uh, uh, Shrek. Shrek 1 as part of our, um, maybe not part, it's our first Shrek retrospective. I might be gunning for at least a second one. We'll see if I can convince Chris that this is a worthwhile movie or not. Or not. We'll talk. We'll talk. That's what. <laughs> that's why we're having this conversation. Yes. This this dialogue. We're conversating about Shrek right now. Yes. I hate that word. Um, <laughs> Me too. So to put it in perspective, um, there's a lot of things about this movie that are important to know to put it in context. Um, it won the very first ever Academy Award for Animated Feature Film. <sighs> which Chris is... Um, surly about because monsters inc did not win it won the hearts of millions but it did not win the popularity contest i will just proving we will talk about this later i think it proves that fart jokes win hashtag fart jokes america oh no no (laughs) stop 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 Um, prior to this, there are only four major 3D animated film releases. Really, only one of them memorable. Um, we have Toy Story, Ants, A Bug's Life, and Dinosaur, that Disney movie that you all wish you could forget. D- Dinosaur was an experiment. It was a flawed, beautiful experiment. Like Frankenstein. And then we killed it with pitchforks and fire. Uh, uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so also keep in mind that before this, DreamWorks has only had one 3D animated movie, and that was Ants, which I would say is debatably a better movie than A Bug's Life. Oh, co- what are you doing this episode? Is this episode, like, get under my skin? Is that the point of you doing this episode? It's to say everything? Four, there's only four DreamWorks movies that I like. And I think that only two of them are better than their counterparts in that year. That Shrek 1 is better than Monsters, Inc., in oh. my opinion. And Ants is demonstrably better than A Bug's Life. Oh, please. Oh, God. You are... And Ants is very different than the other DreamWorks formula. Shrek sets the DreamWorks formula in place. I'm not saying it's a good thing. Oh, you are hurting I'm my heart. I'm just saying that it happened. You just need to stop. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> No. No, I'm going to do the episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is the emergency break. If you don't want to talk about Shrek for the next um, two and a half hours, you should stop listening now. <laughs> um, Shrek, the international phenomena, oh, please has stop. Spawned, spawned five movies total with two more forthcoming, Shrek 5 and Puss in Boots 2, colon, Nine Lives and 40 Thieves. To get all the numbers in there. It's also spawned a TV show. The Puss in Boots TV show is still ongoing. Nine shorts and specials. I think there's like two Christmas specials in there. Yes. Oh, we should do next year the Shrek Christmas special. a Halloween special special, like Scared Shrekless or something. Yeah. We're not talking about all the shorts, though. No, we're not. Uh, And a Broadway musical. Air quotes, musical. And the fan base of Brogers. The what? You know what how they're this? bronies? Yeah. So they're bronies, the people like the My Little Pony. There's yeah, also apparently Brogers is the name for fans of Shrek. Mm. I am not a Broger. I'm also not a Broger, but I do like Shrek. Okay. In some aspects. We'll talk about my my culture shock with rewatching it a little bit. But I'm I'm gonna do my best. To be unbiased and positive and friendly during this conversation, I'm getting it all out now. And then during our conversation, I shall speak about it like a unbiased journalist. 
of which this podcast is. I, uh, this this podcast is unbiased journalism. I don't think we qualify for that at all. <laughs> In I, the best possible sense. I'm going to say what I need to say to get myself through this episode. So we are unbiased, unbiased journalism of the best well, kind. If we're sticking with facts about this movie, let's talk about what people have said about this movie. Roger Ebert praised the film, yeah. giving it four stars out of a possible four and describing it as a jolly and wicked filled with sly in-jokes and yet somehow possessing a heart. And Anthony Lane, on the flip side of this, of The New Yorker, said, despite the film, um, there's still something flat and charmless in the digital look, and most of the pleasure rises not from the main romance, but from the quick incidental gags, which is both praise and criticism of the movie, and I agree with both of these critical statements about it. Uh, yes. So look, except I'm, for the I'm first being, one. Go on. So yes, you agree to them except the first one. Yeah, I agree to both except for the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tease that one out. Go back to math. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I do agree that it frames itself as a romance movie, and it's not successful in that respect. Um, and it is. Um, charmless in its digital look, at least the first movie. Yeah. That's what I have to say. I said charmless. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Um, so let's talk about the very beginning of the movie. Chris, what are your thoughts and reactions to like the first five minutes of this movie? Um, horror. Oh, you the said horror. constructive. We're on the movie part. Be constructive. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I will, <laughs> I'm, I'm an unbiased journalist at this point. Well, looking at the opening of Shrek, uh, we have a, a turn on the normal fairy tale opening brought to our cultural zeitgeist by the films of the Walt Disney Company, opening with a storybook. And the storybook opening up and giving us the story of a princess locked in a tower. And then it's revealed that the narrator, who starts off, Shrek himself, is in an outhouse using the fairy tale book as toilet paper. So from the opening moments, we are we have a main character who is literally wiping his can I say ass in this podcast? He's literally wiping well, you just did. I know. <laughs> he's literally wiping his backside with the heritage of fairy tale films. So that's a statement right in the opening five minutes on what we will get from the film Shrek. We will get a movie that wipes itself with tradition. And I love the bathos of this moment because it is like establishing like this fairy tale background. It gives you all the prologue you need for this movie and it immediately goes from like this high, like, reverent fairy tale attitude to him wiping his butt with this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's very good storytelling. I think it sets the tone early. Whether or not you agree with the tone, it sets the tone early. It this movie. certainly does. I'm not saying whether I agree or disagree with the tone. I'm just saying <laughs> that's how it starts. Then after that, we get the sound, uh, the, the song of anarchy. And the the edgiest, raunchiest song of the 2000s, um, All Star by Smash Mouth. Is it the raunchiest song of the 2000s? We did a get, the 2000s gave us Get Low. Okay, I'm just, I'm just trying to say, Smash Mouth is the, is the theme song of anarchy. 
since it was also used in the film Mystery Men, starring uh. Ben Affleck, not Ben Affleck, sorry, Ben Stiller. I always confuse the two of them. One is Batman, you one can... is a terrible actor. I'm sorry. Um, which one is which? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the two of them is one of those. And Anyway, moving on. Uh, so we get All-Star, which firmly plants Shrek in its time period that it was made, and it can no longer be shaken from that ground. It is now firmly planted in the year 2000. And one. No, no, no. 2000. It came out in 2001, but it plants itself in the year 2000. It does. And in fact, my I was so bold as to buy this movie. I was so confident that I would still like it that I did purchase it forever. It is mine. Um, and my first reaction, having, of course, seen the more recent Shreks and more recent memory, just by nature of they came out later, mm -hmm. um, the year 2001 burns my eyes. Um, the animation does not... It's not terrible, but it doesn't hold up as well. No. Like, it is very stiff. And then immediately as you're, like, reeling from seeing, like, all these stiff, flat things and this charmless digital part, you're bombarded with the sounds of Smash Mouth at the same time. There's nothing, like, more early 2000s than, like, the first part of this movie. Yeah. I think this is the quintessential representation of the first half of that decade. Yeah, and I... I just don't enjoy just basic toilet humor for, I don't like things that are quote unquote edgy. Don't look at me that way. I will explain myself. I will explain I myself. Saw, I saw your play Persephone. I'm going to talk about my play. I was going to say <laughs> that where, where you, where you try to make things rude and crude and quote edgy or edgy for edgy's sake. So where a character farts just because the fart is the joke. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's all that it is. It's not, it's, there's nothing complicated about. It's funny because that character farted and farts are usually something that we try not to have people hear. And oh my goodness, we, he farted and burped. Ooh, oh goodness. This is edgy. Now, yes, I did write a play in which characters ate, ate manure they were they were plants they, they were, were plants. plants and they were eating fertilizer and they were talking about it and discussing it but it was in character that that's what they would be eating and the joke is that what's tasty to them they were foodies what's tasty to them is something that would be gross to us which is eating poop and that mm -hmm. is why that is funny it's not just that they farted it's not that a random character ate poop. It's that trees were eating poop and it was delicious to them. And they were just, yeah, that's, that's why that's funny. It's not just simply and, a fart. And I'm not defending that that is funny. I don't think it's that funny either. I don't mind it as much, I think. I just think that it falls flat. I just um, think it it's so It doesn't easy. make a sound, if you will. It <laughs> is easy. It's, it's low-hanging fruit. Um... And that's a lot of what this movie is. And it finds the the charming parts are those low-hanging fruit things that don't really work as much plot-wise, but um, they're good, funny, incidental gags. And just the ones that are raunchy for the sake of being raunchy, those don't land. I right. do agree. I don't think those ever land. I don't think that any... There are funny fart jokes, I won't say that, but there are any... <laughs> Farts for farts sake that are funny. <laughs> uh, this is the highest level of debate that you will ever get on Greatest Get Animated. Whether or not fart jokes are funny. Yes, but was the fart motivated? Was the fart I mean, he, earned? Did they earn the fart? <laughs> was the fart earned? Did they, did they earn the fart? In this case, no. Dramaturgically, the fart was not earned. I think there are earned farts, but... This is not one of them. No, no. In the beginning, we're just getting burps and farts that are just there. And if that's the only way to show this character is different than us, I think that that's 
there's a flaw there. You know, mm-hmm. I think if that's if, the only way that you could show this character's thing is that, oh, he's gross, you know, because he farts, burps. He's not that disgusting in his own right, though. Like when we see him in his home, like he's a fairly tidy, clean ogre. Right. If this were set up with more, he's trying to chase people away with how disgusting he is and their perception, I think that'd be a stronger thing. And I think the fart would be earned then. But he is alone. This is not showing showing off for anyone, air quotes. Right. Right. So Yeah, so I'm with you. We're agreeing about this part. And I, I and if it was just something that wasn't in your face about it happening. If it was something but everything to him is like the show of something, but it's like who is he performing for? It's the kids. It's the the audience. Like this is very much a a self aware movie. It doesn't break the fourth wall as traditionally as other things do. But with the fart joke, you do see Shrek do like the dainty like finger to the mouth, like oops, and looks right at the camera as he's farting. Yeah. And this sets the tone for all of DreamWorks movies. This is the DreamWorks formula. You get. This weird, like, fourth wally thing. You get pop culture references in an anachronistic way. You get pop songs and action sequences, and you get, like, a musical end. Yeah. And and you you have to make sure for it to, to work, you have to make sure that the pop songs don't fit story-wise, lyric-wise, music-wise, <laughs> tone-wise at all <laughs> in your film. And that's the best way that they work. Yeah. None of the pop songs, with the exception of the Monkees' I'm a Believer performed by Smash Mouth and Eddie Murphy, uh, fits thematically in the film Shrek. There's a song, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, which I guess was chosen because it sounds very sad. And so we put that in. You know, I, I don't think any of the other songs were dramatically driven. They were chosen because maybe somebody had a mixtape and was like, I guess our, this is a, probably our soundtrack. I got this mixtape in the mail from a friend of mine. So uh, we should put all these songs in the film somehow. These are all songs that are popular now. Let's, and they couldn't fit uh, them all in. So they did a three minute karaoke short with a VHS release. Exactly. <laughs> But I do think also the eel song, My Beloved Monster, that works here. That fits. Okay. Because it's like a romance song. It's got a monster in it. Cool. Yeah. When Fiona and Shrek are getting to know each other, I will defend that. Okay. Most of it doesn't work. I'm not saying that they had a success with this one intentionally. I'm saying that they like fired a shotgun of pop songs at this movie and then one of them happened to fit where it landed. Yeah. And I understand that, I mean, this is around the time also we're getting towards Moulin Rouge, where Mm. if we just get pop songs in there, one, we don't have to write anything. You don't like Moulin Rouge? What? You don't like Moulin Rouge? I love Moulin Rouge. I can criticize something I love as much as I can (laughs) criticize Shrek. Ah, so what you're saying is... I can also criticize something I love by talking about the bad parts of Shrek. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I, I was saying if we can't analyze the flaws and the things that we love, um, we can't really call ourselves the unbiased journalists that we are in this podcast <laughs> about animation and storytelling. We have audiences of dozens that depend on us. <laughs> dozens! And I will not, I will, I will not shirk my journalist, journalistic integrity by, by not being able to criticize Moulin Rouge and its uh, willful uh, disparaging use of pop songs random at, <laughs> at random to make things work because they might have a single line that fits what they're trying to say. So... Ah, show must go on. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, let's um, 
I also want to talk about the first donkey scene from a writer's perspective. Yes, this was a, the. You want to talk about the first donkey show in Shrek? Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay, Harvard. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you saw what I did there. Good. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's talk about the first donkey scene from writer's perspective, because while there, I think there's a lot of good in this movie, um, this first scene I don't think is, because it goes on really long, and I think the one thing that's really dated about this movie is Eddie Murphy's performance. I know it was praised at the time, but I just think it's not funny now. Well, here's what's happening with Eddie Murphy's performance. He's coming off of Mulan... This is post-Mulan Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. So Eddie Murphy's first voice actor job was Mulan in a film that is flawed but really well done and tight story-wise. They knew what the sidekick was doing in that film, and they were able to let him operate within those guides and worked with it. So essentially, trying to play a more vulnerable loud, ostentatious version of his character, you know, of Mushu from Mulan, while bringing in a little bit of his crazy wackiness from the Nutty Professor films, which were going on at, at that time. So this yes. is Nutty Professor Eddie Murphy, post-Mulan Eddie Murphy, just trying to be funny. And I don't think that they struck a balance with who this character was to direct it. Cause even, and I've, I watched part of the, uh, it was, you know, adapted into a Broadway musical, which you could watch on Netflix. And I skimmed through parts of it cause goodness, but I, I watched parts of it and it's a little bit more annoying on stage <laughs> than in the animation form animation is a little bit more forgiving of a really annoying character like that. The stage is not the stage really is not. Um, but what is, what is define what you mean as the first donkey scene? What's going on? We've met Shrek, the ogre who yes. loves being by himself and living on his own in his disgusting normal life of being an ogre. What is yeah, the first so have, donkey scene? Um, all these fairy tale creatures being rounded up and donkey's a talking donkey and then his owner's like trying to sell him off and long story short, he's escaping from the guards who are like paying off people to turn him in and he runs into Shrek who defends him from the guards and scares him off and then they spend like five minutes just talking and walking through the woods mm -hmm. and ultimately why I think it doesn't work is because donkey was going to be sold into this fairy tale collection agency and they were going to dump them all at this like fairy tale refugee camp in the swamp. So he would have been there anyway. Him right. escaping and meeting Shrek now doesn't mean anything because he was going to be there anyway. And essentially this this poor old woman who just wants some gold like gets shirked out of her gold because her donkey escapes. So maybe it would have been better if Donkey had been banished. Yes. Yeah, I like almost want to see the characters come together later but other but we needed a, a way for him to be oh, what's the word i'm looking for like when a baby duck sees their mother what's the term for that and they like imprint we need to see him imprint on shrek early on and the only mm. way for that to happen is to have shrek save him so then he could imprint on shrek and then they, they could be friends that's the only the, way that that could happen. There are other ways to do that, though. I don't know. Okay, what's <clears> the other way that these two characters... Because here's, here's the... Dramaturgically, here's the problem with the triangle of Shrek, Donkey, and Princess Fiona, whom we have not met yet and will not meet yet until further on, which is a problem. Mm -hmm. Is Shrek a buddy film or is it a romantic film? It's a buddy film. I think they meant it as a romance film originally. I think that the evidence for that is there. Is but it, it's turned into a buddy movie. Did it turn into a buddy movie because they thought Eddie Murphy was funny and they didn't direct it? I don't mean like they didn't direct it. I, don't, I mean they didn't construct that character in a way to 
help the romance. They just let it be it's as strong, or I would argue stronger than the romance plot. Yeah, this film. is it's untempered genie is what it is. Yeah. Genie, we can cut down and save the best parts and make it fit into the parts of Aladdin that work. And it's still a strong, memorable character in a strong, memorable movie. And then Donkey, we can just let the genie out of the lamp, so to say, and just let him do his thing. But and he, that changes the rest of the movie. And here's the problem with that, then, is we don't have necessarily a, a through... If we go with, like, comparing it to, you know, a funny character who's a buddy... And there, but there's really a romance on it. Shrek doesn't want anything except to be alone, right? That's that's Shrek's full action. That's what sets the world in action. His story in action are these fairy tale characters being sent to his swamp, so he's no longer alone, and so his journey is trying to reclaim the swamp, and his solitude. Now, mm -hmm. which is different from most other fairy tales, which is they want to be together with somebody. They want to find their true love. And that's a nice different thing where he goes on an adventure in order to put things back the way they were at the beginning. I want to be alone again. Everybody get out. And I will go and save the princess, but only because saving the princess means that I can be alone again. Well, he's he's very much a regain character instead of a gain character. Like, he's trying to regain what was at the beginning of the movie. And his discovery in Versal is that he doesn't want what he had at the beginning of the movie by the end. What does he want by the end? I think he wants to be with people who understand him. Donkey kind of primes the pump in that way. I'm not saying it's a strong narrative in the movie as it exists now, but I think Donkey does prime the pump as a buddy movie. The the collateral damage of him developing this friendship with Donkey is that he also happens to fall in love with a beautiful princess. Right. Because he's learned to be with others. And I'm wondering if it's because Fiona is shortchanged that that yeah. the romance doesn't work and i think they tried to fix that in the musical in the musical more fiona yeah fiona has a song of her that it starts with her as a child you know dreaming of being saved and then um it moves to her being a teenager <laughs> like okay today's the day that i'm gonna be saved and then she's, you see the adult Fiona like, okay, today's the day, you know, that I'm going to be saved. And then oh, they that's have tragic. Then they have the trio of them singing together. The three Fiona's like, I'll know. I know it's today. I know it's today. And then she's this person who's really hung up on her fairy tale story coming true, which is a nice fix. It's not that a is. perfect fix, but it's a nice fix towards somebody who wipes his butt with fairy tales. Somebody who believes wholeheartedly in the fairy tale and the magic of the fairy tale. It's a nice that's, dynamic yeah. change. That's a very good foil for him. And I think that's what they were going for in the movie, but it's not fully formed yet. And I think the musical does do that. Yeah, she is so far into the film it's like she's a basically a throwaway joke mm -hmm. in that sense she's got a couple she's got some of the best throwaway jokes in the movie but i know but i feel like she herself is it they they decided to make him fall in love with her because she's a girl yeah in the film instead she's also disgusting i know she is but and i know that's funny oh my gosh a beautiful princess who farts oh <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Oh, comedy. Dramaturgically, she burps. Sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. In the musical, totally she also farts. In the musical, oh. she farts. They have a, it's about a minute and a half of a song where they um, fart and burp and in rhythm. And Well, that was clearly your favorite part. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I, were those farts earned in the musical? Oh, I feel like they weren't. I feel like they were not. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's very difficult to earn a fart in a musical. <laughs> Challenge I, to all of Broadway. I just show I just, writers get animated that you can earn a fart in a Broadway musical. I just kept I just kept imagining there's a stage manager who's calling these cues right now. There's a stage manager calling these cues and there's a sound person executing these cues that are making these characters fart and burp. Like that's that's what's happening. SX SFX1 go SFX2 Be ready. SFX2 go. Like I that's that's all I kept thinking about is the stage manager who's I don't I don't know if it's during that musical at some point that they start wondering about what's they're doing right now, but, or the person pressing the button. I mean, maybe it was Sutton Foster actually burping. And if it was more power to Sutton Foster. I can't burp on cue. I I, I cannot either musical. I can't burp like that. So if that was Sutton Foster and Miss Foster, I love, I, I love your performances. If that was you actually burping in those scenes, along with the great, you know, Brian Darcy James playing Shrek, who is great. And I, I saw you on Broadway in Sweet Smell of Success. It was amazing. You were great in that. Terrific. So if, if that was the case, if they were really burping, then Tony's all around. <laughs> Tony's all around. There's some gems in this episode of the podcast. Tony's all around. <laughs> Tony's all around to everybody. Let's let's dig in deeper with Fiona, and I think some of the and it is very early two thousands in that in this movie there aren't many women. You're right, and everybody's white except for Donkey, who is a donkey racist. Yeah. So let's let's talk about representation in Shrek. I don't know what to say about it, but it needs it needs some love. Uh, I think maybe they're using the fairy tale creatures as the other. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's very much true. But then, why does the other, the not other, have to be entirely white people? I don't know. I don't know. In the um, in the Broadway musical, they have a song called "Freak Flag." that is sung by the fairy tale characters about be who you are, essentially let your freak flag fly. If you're a wooden boy or if you're a ugly duckling, just be who you are, even though it's against mm -hmm. what the world says. Mm, interesting. Uh, so the musical's framing it more in terms of like, their interests being offered everybody else, not who they are being different. Cause little, I was a little bit, I was rewatching this movie thinking like with all with this refugee camp and everything, I was seeing it through the lens of Syrian refugees in a modern context and how this movie wouldn't be okay in theaters right now, unless it had a stronger message. Yes, because there is not a strong message in it. We're not certain if it's, about self-love or if it's about opening up and letting yourself be vulnerable to somebody else. If it's about there's someone um, matching you or, you know, we're not sure what the end message is. Shrek mm -hmm. is who he is. I mean, it's kind of funny that he kisses Fiona and Fiona had, goes through her huge transformation scene. And Beauty just, and the Beast. Complete duplication. Yep, shooting out lasers from her hands and feet and every, you know, basically regenerating like the doctor and, you know, all this kind of craziness and still ends up being um, an ogre. Like that's her mm -hmm. true self. And I guess that's a statement on being edgy or something. Oh, we gotcha. Or you whatever. You can't be edgy and mainstream. You have to be an ogre if you're edgy. So, yeah, I'm like, what, what is that saying or doing? 
that now it's okay for them to be get together because now they're both ogres. Mm-hmm. Like that's her true self, and her true self is gross and ugly. So now she, it's okay for her to be in love with Shrek. No, it's no, no, okay no. for Shrek to be in love with her. She's not ugly. Like they established very clearly at the end that she's also beautiful. She's beautiful as an ogre. And objectively, she's beautiful as an ogre. Like perfect skin. Come on. Yeah, as an ogre, perfect. Yeah, she does have perfect skin. It's, and it's an alphaba from Wicked color green. It's really nice green. She's a really it nice, is a nice green. green. There's depth to the green. There's some yellow in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, her, her complexion is nice as an ogre. And she still keeps her long, knotted hair. Yeah. Yeah, she's not bald. Shrek is bald. Shrek is bald. Even though I mean, they how, have, how in the they? musical, they have a lyric about Donkey shaving his back when it gets hairy. And I'm like, he doesn't have hair anywhere. At all. Where's this lyric coming from? Mm -hmm. Where's this lyric coming from? (laughs) We're not criticizing the musical on this episode of... I guess we could do a spinoff series of, like, writers get musical. No, we're not. But I'm... uh, I would always be angry at whatever we're talking about. (laughs) what, What this is... What I'm trying to figure out is... I think some of these issues, story wise, they saw... And tried to remedy a little bit in the musical. And that's why I keep referencing it back. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there's these things that maybe they didn't have the time to expand upon because it's a, you know, a family film, so to speak. Um, but, I mean, they try to, even in the musical, they try to expand the story of Lord Farquaad. Um, by giving him, use it. By giving him a ballad, you know. Essentially, his father was grumpy, the dwarf. Oh, but grumpy's also in the... Never mind. I know. I know. Dramaturgical issues. But he says, daddy was grumpy, and his mother was the princess from Princess and the Pea, and daddy's bed was too lumpy, so he built her a really huge bed, and one night she rolled over, and... Now his now his mother was gone. He never knew his mother, so Daddy was grumpy because she died. So, um, <laughs> wow. But they so it looks like there's a lot of story things that they try to fix character wise and expand on things while still trying to tell the story exactly down to the joke. Every joke that they made, trying to make sure that all that stayed so everyone could relive the Shrek experience, the Shrek experience um, in its wow. completeness. Shrekspear? Shrekspear. My biggest Farquaad question in the musical is do they still retain the, um, the Facebook logo for his family? That I'm not certain of, but they're going off of the D from the Disneyland logo. That's what they're going for. I know what they're going for, but in this movie that is pre-Facebook, when you're watching this movie now, you're like, oh, that's the Facebook F on the Facebook blue. Yes, it does. All look, over this movie. You it just does look, look and like, see Facebook. You're right. It does look like the Facebook logo everywhere. That's the first thought I had re-watching it. Oh, Facebook. Instead of, oh, when I first saw it back when it came out was, oh, hey, Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, in terms of Facebook. The order of jarring things in this movie, number one, animation quality, number two, Smash Mouth, number three, um, the Macarena was still a thing when this movie started being animated, and number four, (laughs) this is pre-Facebook and they have the Facebook logo accidentally. Yeah, there are a lot of little things like that that just kept drawing me out. (laughs) I, I, (sighs) I appreciate, and I know why Shrek got the Academy Award versus Monsters Incorporated. It was different. Exactly. It's no longer different, but it was the first of its kind. Right. It was sarcastic and it was crude and it was air quotes edgy and it was anti-establishment of what animation meant before then. And, you know, it, it, it was against everything. And Disney, when they made the, the film Enchanted starring Amy Adams, who was amazing in that film and pretty much everything she's in. Um, She, 
that was Disney doing their Shrek, essentially. But yeah. what they what they managed to do there was one, mock themselves, two, take apart and deconstruct the the princess films, deconstruct what a princess film is, who a princess is, and three, have a ton of heart in it that you actually still cared about the characters. I'm going to ask you a question now, and I want you to be honest. Okay. Do you care about Shrek and Fiona through this film? Mildly. I don't really care about the success of their romance. But isn't that what you're supposed to care about? I think so, yeah. Aren't and like you- I said, I think that it's it's framed as a romance, and I agree with the um, Anthony Lane of the New Yorker saying that the, the romance is not the memorable or entertaining part of this movie. Right. And I think that's a it's a criticism of the movie. Like what they're originally going for doesn't work and it never decided what it wanted to be. And I feel like also there's no real danger going like nothing's really dangerous. There are emotional stakes. There are, but not in the same way. Nothing is what it seems. The good guys aren't good. The, the fairy tale creatures aren't really like all bad or all magical. Yeah. Or grounded in their time period. I mean, we're given to believe that Farquaad is this terrible, awful person, but he doesn't really do anything beyond breaking a gingerbread cookie that shows that he's a terrible, awful person. Like if he yeah. started if we started executing fairy tale characters instead of sending them to the swamp. Now you're just writing Roger Rabbit, though. That would be interesting. Execute- you want to see the movie Roger Rabbit? <laughs> Will you just stop? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to find something that would make him a threat beyond being the person who's going to marry Fiona. Like, mm. I feel like that's not enough of a threat to, you know, no, no one's really afraid of him in the same way. Did you watch the storyboards for this movie at all? I have not. You should. Um, <clears throat> so, like I said, I bought this movie. I own it. And it came with some <laughs> bonus um, sequence storyboards Okay. Um, that did not make it into the movie. And I can say having watched um, some of the, the animators slash actors in the movie um, narrate this storyboard sequences, it is really funny on paper. Hmm. Like, I think this as a traditionally animated movie instead of a 3d animated movie might work better. Hmm. I don't know if the technology was there to do the character things that they wanted to do. Yeah, I agree. As terms of 3d animation, I don't think it was quite there yet, but they wanted to push it and everything else around this time. 3d animation wise is toys and insects and fish and those things that like typically can be like one solid color or like shiny or have some kind of like flat surface and be okay. Dinosaur didn't work because it was not powerful enough technology to do the detail. Sure. And Shrek is like right on the edge of like not quite being there animation wise. Yeah. Um, the the if they had taken the human characters and given them a little bit more um, what's the word that I'm stylization? Yeah. I think it could have been more palatable. <laughs> the physics are a little too perfect. Um, to put it in pop culture terms, as Shrek would only have it. They don't have the reveries as said by Anthony Hopkins in Westworld. I've been watching a lot of Westworld. They don't <laughs> have the reveries that make them more human. Hmm. Like at one point Shrek is like twirling a bad guy over his head. He's like clearly like the bad guy's just in place and like his character model is spinning and it's like the Shrek hands aren't even like touching him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the physics, everything happens perfectly. Yeah. Also, I'm not sure never that's a tangent. Um, but the storyboards, the storyboards are good because there is a cut scene where Farquaad explains his plan, his evil plan to Shrek. 
and adds more to the whole like deed thing that he's trying to get back. And essentially Farquaad is building Disneyland. That's his ultimate goal. Hmm. Like beyond what he has, like putting restaurants and mini malls and like all this little thing. And he's going to turn the swamp into something. So stakes are there that he's going to not just leave the fairy tale creatures in Shrek swamp. He's going to take the swamp away permanently. Hmm. That makes him more threatening. And not necessarily dangerous, but there's higher stakes. That's and I think maybe that's what I'm missing is stakes. stakes. Watch the storyboards. Okay. I'm not saying it just it's not on the page, and therefore it's not on the stage or in this case the screen. But I can okay. see the potential. A remake of this movie would be really. I'm ready for the Shrek reboot. I said it. Shrek reboot. Well, if we're gonna get sequels. We're not gonna get reboots. We're gonna get sequels. Well, the rumor is that Shrek 5 is a prequel. Uh, Does Shrek 5 work without either Donkey or Fiona? I feel like it could. I feel like it could. You're open-minded. As much as I can be about Shrek. Yes. So I know you don't like this movie, but... If you had to pick one thing, what's your favorite thing in this movie? Okay. My favorite thing is uh, they arrive at Duloc. And there's a person wearing a Lord Farquaad costume with a giant head. And he sees Shrek and gets scared and runs away through all the line um, ropes. So he just you see him running past and running past and running past as he's making his way through the lion gates. And Shrek just says, I'll oh, forget this, and walks through the ropes that would make up the, the line queue. That, uh-huh. for me, was a thing that I legitimately laughed at when it came out. And I legitimately laughed at it again, reliving it and remembering that, oh, my gosh, it's this part. And laughing again. That is my favorite part of Shrek. I'm laughing thinking about it right now. <laughs> that That's a great joke. That was a character yeah, situation, yeah. legitimately funny thing. And I appreciated that. It's a little gem. It's a kernel of corn <laughs> in this. Um, I would have gone with it's a layer of the onion. Yeah. Yeah. It's a layer of the onion. What was your favorite <laughs> thing, Mackenzie? Um, I think the classic line of this movie where um, Donkey arrives at Shrek's house and barges in and says all the great things they're going to do on the sleepover and just ends with, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. As my wife said, that's the only funny part of this movie. And when she, <laughs> she wasn't even watching it, she she heard it happen. She's like, that's the only funny part. Just complete I'm, stone-faced. So, it's a classic. I'm making waffles is a classic. It is a classic line. So, all right. I'm glad he could make amends. Yeah. (laughs) Should we talk homework time? Let's. For homework time, we have something a little bit strange. That's a a little bit different, I think. Um, We are going to get into the world of Doctor Who. Ow. That was bad. That was terrible. Doctor Who. Doctor yeah. Who. You are watching Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Nice job. I don't know if I do that every time though. You are watching Doctor Who. In the case of our podcast, you'll be listening to talk about Doctor Who. That's right. So. For those of you who don't know, Doctor Who, which started in the 60s, um, is BBC show. And there are many episodes that were lost. It's so um, old, it's just been lost the time. Parts of it don't exist. Parts of it don't exist anymore. They, um, to make room, <laughs> they're like, we're not going to need this show anymore. <laughs> they tossed out parts of it. They've ended up in Africa. They've ended up in weird places far reaches of the world like 
we don't need this anymore. Let's offload it. So it's basically they were doing KonMari, cleaning up their houses and just going, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to need this show about a time traveler anymore in like 50 years. It's not going to be necessary. So let's just get rid of it. Well, guess what? It's, a, it's probably the biggest thing from the BBC ever. And they are trying to now scramble to f- try to find these and recover all these shows. And they've been trying to find them. Um, and one of the episodes that they found audio from, not video, but audio from, are the episodes, the storyline, The Power of the Daleks. And what they've done is they've taken that audio and they've animated it. So now we have, again, animated Doctor Who. There was some 3D animation Doctor Who with David Tennant. Um, yeah. But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about let's, Dreamland. Let's, let's not talk about that. We're talking about the power of the Daleks, which would, in a sense, be the first episodes of the second Doctor in the power of the Daleks, where the first Doctor regenerates and becomes the second doctor. Now we have this restored in animated form. So you can watch the power of the Daleks. You can find it um, on BBC or BBC America, depending on your part of the world and uh, check that out either. They have, they have it in color, but watch it in black and white the way that God and nature intended it to be. (laughs) That's that's your homework for next time. (laughs) Watch The Power of the Daleks. Watch it the way it's intended. Yes. Okay. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Cotino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can catch us on the web and argue with us about Shrek and its place in our culture on Twitter, at WGAnimated, on Facebook.com slash WGAnimated, and find some show notes and notes to articles at writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. I felt like I needed to say more, but that's the end of that sentence. Um, so after all this discussion about Shrek, would you say that you are a believer? Good night, everybody. I refuse to answer that question. Refuse. Now it's songs in my head. Stop it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah.